welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Morgana. And today is a special day. It is a special episode because it is our 100th episode. Woo! We have no sound effects. Woohoo! So we'll do that. Woo! Together. And uh, we decided to do an ask me anything questions, although it's more like ask us anything questions. And so listeners sent in some, some, some really good questions and, uh, we're going to take turns reading them and we'll both answer what's, you know, uh, directed to both of us. And then if there's ones that are directed only to one of us, then that person will answer. And um, let's get started. You ready? Yep. Yeah, it's just the two of us. So, all right. This is from Fred Morrow. Uh in a recent episode, your guest, Catherine Heath, noted that in August 2015, around 9 p.m., she felt a shift in the environment and that some of her friends did as well. In that same conversation, you noted that in 2019, both you and Morgana noted a general shift and uptick in the weird happenings environment. Your Catherine speculated that perhaps the good folk were making a, determined, a determination to come back. It would be an understatement to say that things across the globe have been considerably more stable since at least 2015. Whitley Stryber has noted in his podcast and in, and in his book, The Key, as well as others, that he thinks that the planet is rapidly approaching a tipping point of some sort where humanity will have to learn to square the circle in order to survive and grow as a species. Otherwise, we may move on even though we aren't ready. Now, after that long lead-in, my question is, do you all feel that this shift felt by Catherine and the increase in activity both of you have noted could be the start of this tipping point that Whitley speaks of, or do you think it could be something else, and if so, what? Well, let's see. Um, I think in a very hard science sense that we are headed towards a tipping point, um, at least with the climate and the androgenetic, androgenic uh, extinction era we're currently driving. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I do think that strange happenings are connected to big shifts in the human and real world. Um, I started to think of the human world as the real world and then realized the world is a lot more than just humans. So yeah, the world, the, the physical world. world. Yeah. Um, I do think that that influences weird happenings and weird happenings influence that. So I would say that, yeah, I think there is a kind of tipping point happening and that the increase in weird activity is marking some sort of transitional period. Because I think that weird things do tend to happen when things are in transition. Yeah. Yeah. Transition periods are liminal. So it's between this and that. Any time you have a liminal space or a liminal time or anything to that effect where something is in between 
one thing and another, you're going to have weird stuff happening. Anytime things are in a state of flux, you're going to have more of the weird phenomena occurring. Uh, one of the things that we've discovered in Albert Rosales's database, as we've put it into the into the computer and made it searchable, and and you know made it do all kinds of things and stand up on its head and you know all that. The first thing that we did was to go through and see where there were years that there were peaks where the big peaks were and you know not only did all of the the peaks correspond with flat what so-called flap years as keel put them uh, because you know i I've, I've memorized the flap years because you know what else am i going to do with this brain uh but also it corresponded with things like the breakup of the ussr uh the cuban missile crisis um, let's see, um, the, um, nuclear tests, the nuclear bombs being dropped. So whenever you had these, his, you know, huge historical events, there was also lots of weird stuff happening. So it's almost kind of like the worlds reflect each other. Um, even in the Bible, they talk about signs and portents happening during times of, of spiritual and, uh, physical warfare. So, yeah, yeah, I think that we are heading towards a tipping point, and I think that it is definitely the climate change is one of the drivers of it, and, uh, it, we're just kind of caught in the middle of it and we're driving it and the other worlds are coming along for the ride and they're registering their discontent I suspect because <sighs> yeah. I'd be discontented with us if I was them I mean geez dropping bombs and shit I don't know <laughs> if they're discontented I think they just if if there's a mirror effect, I think it's just more of a a marking almost. Or they just come here to snack when everybody's really unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, also, this is their environment as well. Yeah. As some of them are paraphysical or partially physical. So they can't be liking what we're doing with the environment. True. It's, it's got to be... You know, unless they're the nesting consciousness from Doctor Who and, you know, they're living plastic and they want a really polluted world or some crap. You know, other than that, nobody's going to like it. So I think that's definitely something. Um, and I, I do think that Catherine has a good point about the the good folk coming back. I know that my ability to notice them has gone up. Like, maybe it's because I'm looking for them more often. I don't know. But, well, if they come back, the world will be more interesting. That's certainly true. Yes. Interesting <laughs> is one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Fred sent a question specifically for Morgana. 
Question two. This is a creeper question for Morgana. And for those of you who don't know, I specifically said no creeper questions, please. So, Fred, you're a naughty man. This is a creeper question for Morgana. What do you do when you find creepers in your garden? Do you pull them? Cut them? Use some sort of natural herbicide? Burn it? Smoke it? Well... Um, currently most of my garden is in containers. Uh, so if I find a creeper, it's very easy to pull it out because it's a wee baby. (laughs) Um, as for the ones that happen in the cracks of the sidewalk that grow up my house, uh, it's a rental. (laughs) And I like leaves. (laughs) So. What kind of creepers you got growing up your house? Um, I've got wild grapevines. Ah, wild grapevines. Yeah, we've got those. Um, so mostly, unless they start like looking like they're about to try and do some damage, in which case I'll pull them off the wall and redirect them towards the shrubbery um, so they can just grow along the shrubs. Um, I tend to just let the landlord cut them off like in the cracks unless I can, like I said, train them off the wall and onto shrubbery. That's um, pretty cool. But should I find any in like an in-the-ground garden? Oh, yeah, there's going to be some pulling and then some digging and then some root chopping and burning might be considered if it's really well established or if it's English ivy because you can't get rid of English ivy with anything. I just, it's Satan. I have English ivy all over my house, whatever. <laughs> just basically we're stuck in the middle of the woods. Um so the the front of our house is the only part of the house that is not surrounded with creepers. And so I have Virginia creeper and uh, English ivy and wild grapevines and beautyberry and blackberries. And I don't pick those, by the way. I don't think those belong to me. Um, and uh, what's the other one? Oh, yeah, I have nightshade vines all over the place and honeysuckle all over the place and uh wild roses so and you planted none of it i planted not one thing of it so it's it just grows so long as it's not completely tearing down parts of my house i just i just let it be basically our house looks like it's being overtaken by the forest which is kind of what's happening so whatever (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so so let's let's move on so from mike pingleton yes um, first question is for barbara i love all the art you share on social media i'm a huge fan of process and a huge fan of process in any art form and the pieces you prepare for each episode when did you start painting uh do fox and morgana share your talents or interests and didn't fox come up with the current logo art okay So I'll start at the beginning. When did I start painting? Well, I drew from a very early age. And um, I started learning to paint with oils when I was in middle school. And very quickly learned that the uh, mineral spirits and the other oil mediums gave me uh, migraines. So... I switched to acrylics. And then I stopped doing 
painting for, see, it would have been my first year of high school. Um, and I stopped taking art after that uh, because my mom said that uh, my art wasn't very good. So I just kind of gave up on it and did crafts instead because crafts are, you know, safe. Uh, so I took up crocheting and embroidery and stuff like that. Jewelry making. Um, uh, do f and, and then I came back to painting when I was in my late 20s. And then I stopped doing that because I went to culinary school. And then I, you know, very sporadically painted after that. And then in 2014... Was it 2012, 2013? I think it 2013, 2014 is when I started doing painting regularly and just continued. And now I do <coughs> all kinds of different mixed media and straight up like watercolor art, um, uh, acrylic. I don't really, I still don't mess with um, oils, mostly because they take so long to dry. And I have cats and dogs and that means I have a painting that takes a month or so to dry sitting somewhere just waiting to be knocked over rubbed against stepped on chewed on hair it's gradually just, collects oh, on the damp hair surface. drifting from yeah ugh, it's just a horrible thought so we just don't go there um, do Fox and Morgana share your talents and interests everybody in the family draws and paints Zach has a master's degree in digital art. Uh, Fox has been doing digital art since he was like three. He's been doing stuff on, on iPads and stuff. Morgana has been drawing and painting off and on her whole life. Um, I'm not bad. I'm no, not as good as not. you are, but I'm not bad. Well, I've been doing more of it for a while more steadily. So you got time. You know, catch up. <laughs> It'll be good. And and we do different things. Like you did a, a great series of ocean creatures. That, yes. You know, I really like those. So yeah, everybody in the house has has does art. And yes, Fox came up with the current logo art. And there's a new version of that art that I'm going to put on the uh, Facebook banner in the next week or so. So that you'll see that too. Okay. So right. there's an, another one from Mike. Yep. The show is close to a hundred episodes. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Have your goals and directions changed from the time when y'all thought, hey, a podcast would be cool, fun, or easy? Any surprises as to who listens? And are there surprises with regards to which shows get the most feedback? Yeah. Well, um, I think a big goal shift for me um, is wanting to do more historically-based episodes. Yeah. Which... When I have time, which ha ha, is is a, not a, is a dream. Me having time is a dream right now. Um, but soon we have a couple in the works. Um, we've got one on witches and one on the Satanic Panic. Um, so that was something that's changed, just to sort of 
look at issues that touch on more of the conspiracy side of the weirdo sphere. Yeah. Um, just because that's, that's something that's happening right now. There's a lot of really interesting conspiracy theories. Some of them are terrible. Um, some of them have very long lineages. So stuff like that. Um, I think the biggest goal that stayed the same, at least for me, is wanting people to know that they're not nuts and that other people see weird stuff. And if they saw something weird, you know, they're not out there by themselves. They're not alone. Like, this weird stuff happens. And, you know, it's also nice to meet and talk to all of the cool people we've met, um, all the amazing friends and researchers and authors and investigators and it's just been a great journey yeah i i think um i never thought it would be easy because the reason that i didn't start doing it for the longest time was i was like i don't know how to do any of it and (laughs) Zach was like, I'll help you with the technical aspects. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And it took the same amount of uh, nudging to get me to do a blog, which I ended up doing a food blog for six years. And, you know, my first, I don't know how to do blogging. I don't know how to do HTML. I don't know any of that. And then I I learned it and life went on. And... uh, I wrote thousands of pages. Uh, So I I decided, you know, once it was pointed out, you once thought you couldn't blog too now, so be quiet. You can probably do a podcast. Um, How has it changed? I think I still love the emphasis on other experiencers and touching base with people who have numinous experiences, interesting experiences, who have experiences that are like ours, that are different from ours, that are, you know, fantastic. And it's so fascinating to me to see how that has affected their lives. Usually for good. Not always, but usually. And it's really interesting to see that that when people have experiences that frighten them, how they eventually interact with the experience in such a way that it's no longer frightening and that it, it helps them. So I, I, that's one of my favorite things. Um, am I surprised at who listens? Yes, all the time, always. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised we have listeners, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just a <laughs> pair of nerds. <laughs> yes. In Ohio. <laughs> in a small town in Ohio. We are a pair of weirdos from a small town in Ohio. Like, yes. And both of us were born and raised in West Virginia, which is just, yeah. Even more Ohio than Ohio. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's West Virginia. That's what it is. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, I, I'm nobody, surprised in... Yeah. Nobody we didn't think any we thought like our family would listen to this and be like, Good job, guys. Like yeah. or our weirdo friends, you know, our Athens family, as we as we call our 
longtime chosen family members. Uh, and yeah, they'd be like, oh, you know, that was a really cute episode. Now, hardly any of our Athens family people listen regularly. And all of you people listen, like all of y'all. We don't, it's just amazing. And y'all write And thank emails. you. <laughs> and it's so awesome. Thank you, you for emails. caring. Thank you for, for, for commenting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being supportive. It's amazing. And yes, I am almost always surprised as to which episodes get the most um, commentary uh, and the, the most um, support and feedback. It, it's almost always never what I think it will be. So I don't even try to predict anymore. I just, <laughs> I just, whatever. In fact, I, when I decide what we're going to do for an episode, when the two of us decide, or when I find somebody to interview, I don't even predict if it's going to be liked or not anymore because I, I just, I've never predicted it correctly yet. So yeah, I just do it, throw it into the, into the universe and people seem to like it. So there we are. Yeah. We're not hella strategic about podcasting and trying to get like listener counts or anything. Yeah, we suck like, at that. I don't know. It's not that we don't care. We care about you guys. That's who we care about. Like we yeah. care about you guys. Like we care about the people who come on our show and the people who listen and like write emails, which mom reads to me all the time. Yes. yes. Um so I've had some really bad days and some really sweet comments. Some of the listeners have left have like brightened those days. Um so I guess this is a roundabout way of saying, like, we're not trying to be famous. We're just trying to do a good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, that whole famous thing makes us both, you know, yeah, it's, like, it's, what? Yeah, it's kind of, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, we, we just kind of, we just, we'll keep doing what we're doing and, and you know, trust y'all to, like, tell us. If we otherwise. suck. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise, if, if we need to know. Okay, so Mike also has another question for both of us. Where in the world would you like to travel just in general, and is there a place you would like to visit with regard to the others? I want to go to Ireland to visit with the others, and I want to go to Japan for general and to visit with the others and to go to flea markets. And to eat all the sushi, except for the shellfish, which would kill me. I also want to go to Japan for all of those reasons. Um, plus the giant multi-story toy, multi-story toy store. Oh yeah, that the sells Sanrio like store. Yeah, yeah. I need to go there. Yeah. Um, I also want to go back to Hawaii. I, do, um, I want to go there too. And see Volcanoes National Park a lot more than I got to see when we were there. Um, I want to go... I would really like to travel just about everywhere that I could get into, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, any particular place that, like, for, for with regard to the others, I think... Hmm... You'd like it's really London. easy, huh? You'd like London. I would love London. 
um, honestly, for places, like for haunted places or spooky places or places where you could probably make contact with things, I think I'd like to go to Siberia and go <laughs> talk to a shaman. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Like, not so much, like, try to do shamanic tour- tourism or anything horrible like that, but just be like, hi, can I, like, just sit down and, like, buy you tea? <laughs> can I pet your reindeer? Like, <laughs> will you talk to me about just stuff? Like, it doesn't even have to be about shamanism. Just can it be about stuff? Yeah, like, that would be cool. You know, all of the UK, really. Because I... I only got to drive past Wales and, and I got peeps that are from there. Well, yeah. actually both Morgana and I have peeps that are from there and she has them on two sides of the family. So, <laughs> um, and, um, all of the UK there, I, my people are technically from the Midlands and then there's Bavaria. I would love to go to Bavaria and see my peeps and go to the black forest because it's supposed to be super creepy there. Actually yeah, black forest. I'm going to put that one on, my list of creepy places. Yeah. Cool, creepy. At the Alps, some of the, the tiny yes. Alpine towns that still do Krampus parades. Oh, yeah. 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 That would be very cool. Um, but yeah, I think I feel like I'm cheating when I say, like, I want to see the whole world, but like, I do. <laughs> I don't I mean, think I'm going to. I don't think I'm going to live long enough to see the whole entire planet. But yeah, maybe we could be executive uh, um, assistants for Sir David Attenborough or something. Right. You know, he, he gets to go everywhere. So, um, okay, the next person. Are we done with, with where we want to go? Yes. Yeah, because I mean, I want to go to Mount Shasta. I've been to Northern California. I'd, I'd like to go back. I'd, like, I'd love to go to uh, um, the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, you know, see if, if Sasquatch comes out to say hello. And if he sounds like the Sasquatch that, you know, we had in our woods in Ohio and, you know, see if there's a different dialect in the screaming, that would be interesting. Plus, there's beautiful, huge trees and I've got family and friends out there. Okay, so the next person to send in questions is Octavian Graves. And he wants to know, how have you effectively communicated with someone who has very opposite views than you on the paranormal? Most of the time, I just say, you know, we should agree to disagree. That, that's, that's what we should do. So long as there's not, you know, racism, anti-Semitism, anything like that. You know, if it's just a... The aliens are from um, Arcturus, you know, so long as it's not something, you know, so long as it's just something like that, like, you know, the greys are aliens and they're from, you know, Alpha Centauri or wherever, when, you know, in fact, I know that the people from Alpha Centauri are Centaurans and, and they have a huge empire and they hate the Narns. Um... I'm not going to argue with somebody over something like that. The only thing I'm going to argue with is something that is going to harm other people like racism, anti-Semitism, sexism, that kind of stuff. I will be a bad toad about that and just come out with, 
you're wrong. But if somebody is like just, you know, have you ever read Carlos Castaneda? And I'm like, "Eh, you know, no, not really, because, well, he's been debunked. And they're like, no, he hasn't been debunked. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we can agree to disagree with that. But why are you asking me that? Is there something interesting I should know? Something like that. I, I mostly just am polite. How about you, Morgana? Um, I try to keep in mind that I know nothing. Well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> because, like, I don't know. My whole take on the phenomena is it's a slippery, trickstery, just chameleon. Yes. And the minute you think you know something, it's going to use that to trick you, you again. Yep. Um... But I also do have like suspicions and hypothesis, not even enough of a hypo- to be a hypothesis. Like I have suspicions and ideas and things that I think make more sense than others. Um, but you know, if, any, if somebody can come up to me and be like, well, this evidence I think shows this and theirs is just as probable as mine, I'll be like, that's just as likely as mine. That's really interesting. Tell me more about it. Yeah, Exactly. Again, I'm not going to really truly disagree with somebody on things like that. Like, you know, Carlos Castaneda. It's like, well, he's not my thing, you know. But, hey, is there something interesting I should know? And, you know, it, it totally, the discussion went in a totally different realm. It could have gone into, well, he's right because, and no, he was debunked. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. You know, it could have gone into that. And I just... I did, there was no point in that. Um, and, and if somebody says the aliens are from Arcturus and I don't think that's right, I'll be like, mm, I'll, well, that might be true for you. Okay. And hope that they don't try to, you know, change my mind that I have to have the same belief as them. Because Morgana's right. None of us know anything, really. Um, But, you know, if somebody is subscribing to the teachings of Billy Meyer that are anti-Semitic, yeah, I'm going to say something about that. Because that is not an opinion. That is anti-Semitism, and that's not acceptable in my presence. You want to talk that nonsense? You can go over there someplace else (laughs) and talk that nonsense. Yeah. That's um, just a thing. I get it. What's our favorite cryptid? Well, what do you consider a cryptid? See, you got to go with the with that answer. You got to be you've got to immediately <laughs> be like, "Well, what's a cryptid though?" Like, "All right, Socrates." <laughs> so crates. <laughs> yeah, I, I if I have to give a favorite, it's got to be Mothman. It has That's to be. That's fair. He's our peep. Mothman is our peep. He's our he's our saint of West Virginia cryptids. He's 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 the dude. I know he is the dude, but like, and he got the shiny hiney. How can you? Not he love does it? have the shiny hiney, but the Flatwoods monster, though. Yeah, the Flatwoods monster is pretty darn cool. Flatwoods is you know. With that pointy hat, red and green. It's it's pretty good. 
Yeah. I also love the pants. Oh yeah. Well, the or the skirt, whatever it is. No, no, the pants, the the crawlers, but they look they just look oh, like disembodied oh, pants oh. to me. Yes. They they look like the the Dr. Seuss thing. Uh-huh, the when the Fresno, pants run the Fresno, the Fresno night, night crawlers. crawlers. Yes. They look and like the Dr. Seuss pants. Where yeah, the ki- the guy was walking through the woods and then he found pants walking through the woods. That was the very first thing I thought the very first time I saw those. I'm like that's that damn story from Dr. Seuss come to life. Thanks, Dr. Seuss. Why did you do that? <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what that story is. But the, those Seuss. are like those are like my silly favorite because they're just so what? Like why? Yeah. Like they're the it's the kind of like just bizarrity that I enjoy when it comes to high strangeness. And it yeah. reminds me of the Dr. Seuss pants. Yeah. And and then there's sundown, there's sundown Sam, yeah, or Sandown Sam, not sundown, Sandown Sam. I mean, it, I don't know if he's a cryptid or a humanoid or an alien or a, I don't know, Doctor Who villain thing. I, I don't know, Muppet. I Muppet just, fits. He's just wild. And I appreciate that. So we don't have one favorite cryptid, Octavian. Sadly. You're going to have to just deal with our list right there. Um, so what's the biggest change in your life since starting the show? Um, we're friends with a whole lot more, way more people. Way oh, more yeah. people than we yeah. were friends with to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we've we've met a lot of of really cool people, and made friends with lots and lots of people, listeners and guests, and you know, all of you are gracious and fun and awesome people. Yeah, um, really, and so that's been like totally the best. I think I've gotten less shy. Yeah, yeah. Are you still scared of Tim? No. Have you gotten over that? Yes. That's good. <laughs> Tim, she's not scared of you anymore. You'll be happy to know that. Um, Wizards but yeah, are that's, scary. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not scary. But okay. Um, if people are wondering who Tim is, it's Tim Renner. There, there was much shyness from her for a long time. So I'm glad that, that she's, she's chill about that now. <laughs> but that's the best change we've had. We, we've, we've, you know, met lots of you wonderful people. Okay, so Matthew Wiley is next. Who are your top five favorite paranormal authors, not counting John Keel, of course? All right, you go first. Oh, okay. Lauren right, Coleman. You. Okay. Because whatever we may think of his theories at this point, the man can write up a case report fairly well. Yeah, he can. That's true. Um, Jacques Vallée, because I have to, because he's awesome, and because Passport to Magonia is like one of the first paranormal books I read, and it shaped my brain a little bit. 
Um, let's see. I'm I'm wiggling because I'm trying to decide if Sora Neale Hurston counts as a paranormal writer yeah. or just an anthropologist. <laughs> no, she counts. She counts. Um, Catherine Crow. Yeah, yeah. Because if we didn't have her, we wouldn't have poltergeists. Exactly. We'd be calling them something else stupid. It wouldn't be as good of a name as that. Let's see. That was four. So we need one more. This is hard because like, oh man, this is hard. Because now I'm like thinking of UFO books and I'm like, oh, that one's really good, but that one's really good. But that one's really <laughs> good. So I'm going to, I'm going to end with Josh Kutchen because there he, you go. he, he's a sampler platter of everything. Yeah, he is. He is. <coughs> he, he absolutely is. Okay. So. I have to go with Jacques Filet. Everybody knows I'm going to go with that one. I'm such a fangirl. I'm sad. It, it's just... that's. But he has probably the most sensible sort of ideas about the paranormal and about UFOs. Um, let's see. So there's, there's him. Um, and Josh Kutchen is in there. Because, well, I mean, I edited his book, so I can't be like, oh, man, guys, he's a terrible writer. I would never say that. Um, but, yeah, he, he, he has a very, very, very big gift of seeing the connections and everything. Like, and really going after those connections. And he's a beast at... at um, at research, just horrifying, horrifyingly fast at research. Um, and I respect that very much, greatly. Um, I'd have to say Joe Fisher for uh, the Siren Call of Hungry Ghosts. For one thing, I mean he he was an award-winning journalist. And that ability to write comes through in his two books that were about the paranormal. The other one was about reincarnation, um, which off the top of my head, I know I'll get it wrong, so I'm not going to try to give the title. I'll just put it in the show notes. <coughs> uh, let's see. Hmm... Someone that, that people may not have ever heard of, except on, on our show, um, Dr. Uh, Wham Matthews, or mm, Caitlin Matthews. Yeah. Uh, she wrote the Mysterious... Is it Mysterious Beauty? I think it is. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. But her book about the... Uh, Hudson River Valley is fantastic. Just wonderful. Because she basically points out how all of the different phenomena fit together and how they all exist in a fairly small part of the, the country. And she goes back in time 
and and gets uh, cases and and stories from the Native Americans forward, and it's it's fantastic. She she writes. She specifically was inspired by the way John Keel wrote about the Mothman in Point Pleasant, which, of course, if you've read the book, it's not just about the Mothman. It's about all the other stuff, too. Is that five? Yes. Okay, we're going to say it is. If it isn't, I'll add one in the show notes. (laughs) Um, Ooh, what are your favorite paranormal-flavored movies or shows, fiction or nonfiction? You could narrow it down to top three or top five, if that's easier, but however many you'd like to share. Oh, and I see that. That's fun. That's a fun question. The X Files. Yeah, second motion. Although the it's it's the monster of the week is way better in, in after it's aged than the the, the big story arc. Having yeah. watched the whole thing over just recently, um, I think Supernatural also for me, which I do like. Um, currently I'm watching Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I need to watch that. It is excellent. It is very fun. Cool. I will Um, will definitely jump on that then. (coughs) So that's shows. Movies. Movies, movies, movies. I like creepy ghost horror movies. Yeah, I do too. I like ghost stories. I like creepy ghosts. Um, Have you seen Crimson Peak? Yes, and I, I called her. the I called the incest in the first five minutes. Oh yeah, it's so like easy to to catch. But I really love that movie. Yeah, but none of the boys that I was with caught it. None of the dudes caught it. And I was like, oh, they're sleeping together. And Nick was like, no, they're not. I'm like, yeah, they are. And he's like, they're it's not. I'm from like, West Virginia. Yeah, I don't. Know. It's because we read gothic novels. That's that's, <laughs> that's exactly really what why. It is. That's exactly what it is. We oh, were like, like, ah, no, we've seen we've seen Gables like that before. <laughs> we know yeah. what we're in for. Yeah, exactly. Mm, those outfits, yeah, the colors, yeah, all that symbolism. Mm-hmm. Don't drink the tea, girl. Don't. <laughs> Don't drink it. <laughs> run away, girl. Run away. Yeah, I love Crimson Peak. Um, I, the the Wicker Man. The Wicker Man is one of my favorite, 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 favorite movies. The old one, not the Nick Cage version. Version Nick, I love you. You're fun, but no, no, sorry. The bees. Yeah, no bees. <laughs> Just no. Um, is Doctor Who considered paranormal? Um, I mean, why not? There's ghosts and stuff in there. Yeah, I was going to say there's ghosts and there's ghosts and vampires and werewolves and all kinds of stuff. I think Doctor Who counts. Torchwood's pretty good, too. But that's yeah. as much because Captain Jack Harkness is in it as, as anything. And Gwen. Uh, and Gwen. Oh, Owen. What are you doing? <laughs> I, love, um, I love Gwen. 
So yeah, I think I think I can't pick like a great ghost movie. The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, that one's good, yeah. Um, but that's just because Shirley Jackson is awesome. The Others. Yes, The Others is really, really good. Speaking of Doctor Who. Yes. Because Chris, Christopher Eccleston's in it. He is. The Others is excellent. Um, so yeah, any... Any horror movie that's about ghosts and not slashers and not demons, because as soon as it's demons, I stop getting scared. It's I like, just, oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I wasn't raised Christian, but, like, the devil is not that frightening. Um, I will say the old uh, movie, The Omen. Oh, yeah, The Old Omen is creepy. It's creepy in the music. It's the music that's creepy. The mm-hmm. music will mess you up. That I love the I love the music for that. Um, no, the most of the I mean, The Exorcist was not scary. It was just kind of gross and gross. And yeah, I don't like slasher movies at all because I'm more afraid of humans than I am monsters. So, you know, human monster slasher people. It's like, well, nope. Don't want to watch that. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. I have enough anxiety about that kind of stuff. Nope. Uh, I think that, I think those are most of my favorites. Yeah. What Lies Beneath is a good one. Mm, yeah. With Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. That's a good ghost story. All right. Agreed. Ghost stories. Okay. Who are some of the people that you would most love to interview if you had the opportunity? Like, if we could make people come back from the dead? <laughs> if we could have a seance. <laughs> who, who is it you want to interview who's dead? <laughs> Mary Shelley. Ooh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, she wrote those stories so she wouldn't have to have a threesome with, you know, <laughs> with uh, what's his face, the other poet, the one I don't Byron. like. Byron. Yeah, that one. Why do I know it's Byron? Just because you don't like him. <laughs> he's not terrible. He's just not as good You're as the other romantic judgy. poets. I'm judgy as all get out. Hey, but he he did. He he. I mean, he lived by his 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 beliefs and went off to die in Greece in a in a war a revolution doing his thing and ended up drowning i don't remember why that happened but <laughs> so you would like to you'd like to interview mary shelley yeah that'd be cool right like that too yeah she would be fun yeah, yeah, she would. Hmm. I'd like to interview, like... Brother I mean, Richard. Obvious, Brother Richard would be awesome. I would love... I was going to say a mystic, and then you said Brother Richard. So, in my head, it said, I would like to interview a mystic-like, and then you said Brother Richard. So, that's that's what I was thinking. We were being psychic there. Um, Yeah. That would be really cool. Um, I'd love to to interview 
Dr. Valet, but I think I'd be too dumbfounded to speak. So I'd, I'd, uh, it would be bad. I would be <laughs> tongue-tied and it would be embarrassing. Uh, let's see. Who else? Anybody else? Um, like, not for most, like, um, like, I know I should be saying, like, famous people and all of that, but it's not that I don't want to talk to them. It's just that Mary Shelley would be really fun to talk to about the paranormal. She would. And, and, you know, I'd like to say, you realize you invented science fiction, right? And, like, you, do, do you realize that? Do you understand that? Octavia Here, let's sit Butler. down and watch all of Star Trek so you understand what you have done. <laughs> yes, yes, what you have unleashed upon the, the universe. Thank you. Uh, Octavia Butler would be another person I'd like to seance yes. up from the dead and talk with. Again, another sci female science fiction author who, you know, her work is just world-changing. Yeah. Sherry S. Tepper belongs yeah. in that. So we'll have a giant seance and call all three of them up. And <laughs> Maybe right. we should just have an episode where we talk about their books and tell people why they should read them. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should have another nerdy book episode. Yeah, we haven't had one in a while. If you don't want us to have a nerdy book episode, let us know. If you do want us to, you can let us know. We'll probably do one anyway, but... <laughs> we might not. You never know. Um, which of your experiences with the other has been the most personally meaningful to you and why? You want me to go first? I can go first. You go first. Okay. Um, hmm. Honestly, I think the one that stands out as the most meaningful is the first time I saw a big UFO, which I've talked about on the show, the three giant golden globes that floated into an invisible slit in the sky and gradually disappeared behind into it. Um, and the reason it's the most personally meaningful is because it is the first time something that big had happened with other people around who saw the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it was the first time I experienced like the, you only forget the UFO amnesia. Yeah. Repeatedly. Like I just forgot we saw a UFO like for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and it also happened at a time in my life where I was just becoming like more of an adult and like I was at that cusp of like very, very late teen, very, very early 20. Like I think I was 20. I think so too. When I saw it and I don't know, it just felt very special. Like, and it had everything. It had Oz factor. It had like a doppelganger but odd like an, an auditory doppelganger moment like it was just such a weird mix of experiences between me and my best friend 
who we are still best friends to this day. We've been best friends since we were 11. Um, so yeah, we've been friends for over 20 years. And you still see UFOs together. And we still see UFOs together occasionally. So yeah, it was like a bonding experience between the two of us. Yep. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay, to be honest, I'm not going to tell you about my most, um, my two most meaningful ones right now. I probably will at some other time, though. But I will say one had to do with sitting with my grandmother while she was dying, and one had to do with before Morgana was born. So, um, it had, and it had to do with Morgana. Uh, but one that I can tell you about that was most meaningful and I have told you about is the first UFO I saw that was like a structured craft. And that was when I saw the upside down bowl that looked like silver just drifting down an invisible staircase in the sky over Charleston, West Virginia. And it was in daylight. Um, it was in the evening getting close to dusk and that was the time that my mom was staring at a bird in a tree that I could not see that was red and the size of a pigeon and uh, I still don't know why she saw that and I saw the UFO um, but the reason it was so meaningful to me is I realized when I got home and actually thought about it that it sort of struck me very strongly that if I saw it, did it mean that it saw me? And I was struck with the realization that, yes, it, it did see me. That was, that was the, you know, pit of the stomach feeling I got. I was 12 years old, and I had to understand that I had to think on it, you know, that that something that is beyond my capability of truly understanding was looking at me. And that's just a little bit much when you're 12. Oh, yeah. I think it's a little <laughs> bit much for anybody, really. But it's, it's a lot when you're a kid. And, and I didn't read any of the UFO books that I had sitting <laughs> on my bedside table for a whole week after that. I don't blame you. And then dad bought me my own copy of the Mothman Prophecies and I was back, back ready to go. <laughs> um, I'd already read it. I'd read the copy from the library, but he bought me a copy for myself. Okay. So, Matthew wants to know, you've mentioned the novel you're working on. Could you tell us more about it, avoiding spoilers? And are there any other books you'd like to write? And how about Morgana? Okay, well, this about, one's a mostly you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you got time to figure out, um, you know, anything you might want to say, and uh, I'll go on and talk about. So the novel. Okay. So this is this is a this is a story, a series of stories, really that my husband and I have been working on and telling to each other um, for almost 30 years. Not quite, 
like 27 years, 28 years, maybe maybe 26 years, something like that. Um, it started when we were stuck in a house with no electricity during a blizzard. And we didn't have much else to do. So we just sat in bed with all the covers on us and, you know, our husky on top of us and all the cats because we had no heat in the house either because there was no electricity. And we told each other stories about these characters. And so what's it about? Well, it's about how humans and non-humans relate and how different dimensions fit together and it's about people who can travel across both sides of the dimensional barrier and it's about the life energy that it's kind of like the force but you know it's not uh that sort of feeds and um houses and and comforts humans and non-humans together. And it's, 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 I can't really tell you much without giving stuff away. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you much more than that. <laughs> but, but there's, there's, there's psychedelic mushrooms, there's orgone, there's UFOs, there's, there's all kinds of things. Uh, just, all sorts of weird stuff happens in it. Um, and I'm also working on a nonfiction book. Um, I have a co-author. I'm not going to say who, but it is going to be about anomalous light phenomena. That means I'm going to hit some of you up who have had experiences with anomalous light phenomena to talk with me about it again. Um, if anybody else has any stories about it, please contact me, and uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your stories. Morgana, are there any books you want to write? Um, hmm. I mean, my best friend Brittany and I have always joked about writing a book called uh, Never Keep a Man for Rent and Other Things Our Mamas Taught Us. <laughs> That's going to be a great book. <laughs> <laughs> mistakes we have made <laughs> mistakes were made <laughs> we got better um, other than that most of the writing I hope to do at some point in my life um, what I mostly write is poetry it's bad poetry guys it's bad poetry it's not terrible poetry but it's not great okay Nobody's going to read it. I'm not going to read it on the show. Don't ask. Nobody ask. It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I haven't even read it, so. No, you haven't because it's terrible <laughs> and it's private. Yeah, see, I'm, I don't even ask. Oh. Um, I know better. But if, you know, I ever had a creative attention span long enough to write good poetry... I would like to write a like very small, thin book of decent poetry and be like, here you go, people. Um, but mostly what I want to write is like journal articles for historical journals about 
weird books and odd happenings throughout history. And I'm actually, my uh, internship is going to culminate in an exhibit um, of illustrative techniques and technology throughout history with examples pulled from the library's collection. Um, hopefully, hopefully I managed to pull an exhibit together and it doesn't suck. So things mm -hmm. like that, that's what I want to do. You know, I always joke, fine. I always joke with the family. I'm like, oh, mom paints all this cool stuff and my little brother draws all this cool stuff and dad makes this music and like I'm over here writing papers. <laughs> that's because you're in academia right now. <laughs> that's what acad academicians, academics, people in academia do i know and i enjoy it and and i like creating that and doing research um but i think i would like to write like a nice little slim volume of poetry someday yeah cool uh see we have an anonymous listener why don't you have a Patreon or sell merch so we can support you? Well, we don't have a Patreon because we don't need one personally right now. So I'd rather not take money from people to do this. I just, it's, this is my gift to the universe right now. Um, that's not to say, you know, when my books are published, I'm going to give them away. No, people have to pay for those. But um, the, the podcast, I'm fine with it being a gift to the universe and, and, and all that. Um, merch, we might do at some point. Um, because we do have enough art that uh, we could do a t-shirt or some, some stickers or you know, patches to sew on to your jackets or whatever. Um, and eventually, yes, I am going to start selling prints of my work. I'm looking for a place that can do drop shipping so I don't have to be in charge of actually selling the things and packing them and shipping them because that's a pain in the, you know what. Um, but so many people have pointed out, you know, specific paintings that I've done, especially for the show, that they want to print of that yes I am going to like finally do that um, but how can you how can you support us uh, if, if we can't support you financially how can we support you um, by putting reviews online and you know like on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all those places other places like that um, Tell your friends, uh, say nice things in public, <laughs> you know. I'm terrible at marketing, so is Morgana. Yeah, we're really bad at it. We're um, <laughs> we're Again, we did not expect people to like us, so... Yeah, we totally had no clue that this was going to happen. So we didn't even think we'd make it to 100, y'all. So we did. Um so yeah, just just write reviews, uh, send in uh, emails every now and then. You know, give us suggestions for people to interview. 
Um, or topics or topics that you let want us, us to know cover. what you want to hear. Let us know what yeah. you want to hear us talk about. Like yeah. we like you guys. Yeah. We're very, very happy that you're there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so we, you know, I love that you're asking, how do we support you? And we're like, well, how can we support you guys? <laughs> yeah. Right. Back. In a way. Uh, so. Like, but seriously, like tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. Um, you want to hear something throw us a line yeah and if we can make it happen we will uh but don't worry we're not actually gonna like have seances and call up dead people to interview them says you we're, we're, <laughs> oh okay well maybe she will i don't know we'll find out you know usually you're the one who's telling me not to do those crazy things. i've had a day okay that's fair <laughs> That's fair. She has. She's had such a day. And at least I'm hoping we have cheered her up somewhat. And we have um, another anonymous listener. Can you suggest which Keel book to start with? And how about Valet? Okay. Valet's easy. Passport to Magonia. Um, I think that's probably the best one to start with. Uh, the best keel book to start with, I say Mothman. Just jump right in. Oh, no, dude. Start with Operation Trojan Horse. Uh, then he, okay. All right. If you, Okay, if you're into the UFOs, Operation start with Trojan Operation Horse. Trojan Horse. If you're into the total high strangeness weird crap, start with Mothman. If you're into cryptids, Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um... And with Keel, if you're really into the UFO stuff, um, is Dimensions the first one in that trilogy? Mm. Please hold. Yeah, because now my brain is going, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's mine's doing the same thing. I think... Another good Valet book to start with um, is the one where he's basically like everything is an illusion <laughs> and they're all doing this to mess with your head. Yeah. Messengers of Deception. M Messengers of Deception is a good one. Okay, so yeah, it is Dimensions, a casebook of alien contact. The second one is come here confrontations a scientist search for alien contact and the third one is hello revelations a contact something something and there it is alien contact and human deception which is kind of like messengers of deception part two yeah. But Messengers of Deception is specifically about UFO cults, though. Yes. And, and that. So basically, we've just given you every one of their books <laughs> that you could start with. But we told you what you're, you know, if you're interested in this, start with that one. If you're interested yeah. in that, start with the other one. Um, and if you want to get really, really, really paranoid. Mm. 
the eighth tower. Yes. <laughs> and if you want to read John Keel being really mad at the other and the universe and everything, <laughs> Disneyland of the Gods. He's yes. so pissed off. Yeah, he is. That's a that's a great <coughs> book, but man, you can feel the rage and sarcasm. Just you open the book and it just jumps out and gets you. Before you've you've even read a word, it just comes out and it's just like, I am angry. (laughs) And and it's just terrible and frightening. But it's awesome, too. Okay, so this is from Ben. Have you ever thought of bringing an astrologer on to talk about the astrology of the paranormal? I don't think anyone else has done it. Actually, no, but it's a pretty good, it's like a pretty interesting and good idea. I think it would be interesting. My main problem is I don't know anything about astrology, really. That's true. So, like, I know I'm an Aquarius. I don't know what that means, really. (laughs) I'm on the Virgo and Scorpio cusp, which means I'm really calm until I'm not. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm angry. <laughs> so that's that's not fun. Um, that is kind of a neat idea. We'll have to think on that, Ben. Yeah. Okay, we have Adam Norville. And Adam would like to know what our top three bands and recording musicians are. What, who our favorite musicians and bands and whatnot. And he only asked for three, which I think is unfair. Yeah, so, that's going to be hard. <laughs> that's real hard. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with Lately. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Lately, my favorite three are. <laughs> that, that, there you go. There you go. Um. Oh, I'm trying to pick between Biggie Smalls and A Tribe Called Quest. That's hard. Um, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. Okay, so we're just going to say the entirety of 90s rap and hip-hop. There you go. That's fair. Um, because I can't pick. And that's like hundreds of artists, all of which were amazing. Um, <sighs> Lynn Manuel Miranda because he did the Moana soundtrack and it was awesome. The Moana soundtrack makes fucking me cry. slaps. It fucking slaps. It does, but it makes me cry. It's awesome. Um, it's so good. Um, this is like the silliest answers ever, and I am sorry, Adam Norville. <laughs> well, the truth is, is we both love music a lot, and we have we have wide ranging tastes. Yeah, like huge, huge, wide ranging tastes. Like yeah, because my third one is probably like right now it's Garmorna, which oh, is a Swedish band, and they're amazing. 
and like I don't Swedish folk metal techno. I yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, right now it's been a mix of like comfort music from my childhood mixed with silly Disney movie soundtrack stuff mixed with weird Swedish metal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say Kate Bush because she's pretty perennial. That's true. I, I So I'm going to... We, we use the jig of life at our wedding, Zach and I. Um... I have a cat digging on the, the door. Um, that's not a band. It's a crappy band name, so it's never going to be a band. Uh, but no, Kate Bush is, is pretty much perennial for me uh, from like the 80s on to now. So definitely Kate Bush. Um, I really love the Mongolian band who or who I think that's how you pronounce it um they're awesome and they're awesome and uh hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm just gonna throw in Led Zeppelin because I, I can't that's I can't fair. think any farther that's fair and I know. I've, I always feel so bad when people like ask me to pick favorite bands because I'm like, I, in what I does could, it do, in which genre? Yeah. I, how am and I I'm feeling s- that day? Is the wind from the north? Like, <laughs> have I had I know, breakfast? Right? I feel like I feel like I'm betraying like every know, other Johnny thing. Cash. I know because he kept me alive all through Pennsylvania, driving on you know the freaking turnpike. Which, which now have, I completely understand because the exits make no sense. They're horrible. And you go from 70 miles an hour to 15 on a like tangled shoestring curly cue system. Yeah, I don't know. That's a terrible. concrete channel. What the hell's yeah. up with that, Pennsylvania? Yep. Yeah, they try to kill people. That's what's up with that. But Johnny Cash did not let me die. He kept me safe. There was one CD on for the entire state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> so... Because I didn't dare stop him because I was like, Johnny Cash won't let me die. Well, He's and up you there didn't in heaven trying to dig out another, right another CD. <laughs> that, that, yeah. And also I had my, my, one of my Husky's faces kept popping up into the rear view mirror because she, you know, she was in the way back. She'd get nervous and she'd pop her head up. Chewy down and back. <laughs> she had a big old furry face and she'd just... <laughs> lay back down it was terrible um let's see next is vuk and he wants to know how do you fit the concept of animism into the gaia theory um basically i think what he's saying is if animism is um sort of a a multideist sort of idea and gaia theory is a monist idea how do they work together well i've always thought 
that just be okay. I've always thought that everything is connected by the same life, right? Mm-hmm. We're all part of the universe. That that we that is the we're all literally connected because we're all just another atom of the universe. But right. we all have ego shells mm-hmm. that like differentiate us from each other, like just as people. And I think your physical form is mixed with that ego shell. So I think the concept of animistic spirits could be just, well, okay. Are we talking animism? Like everything has a soul, including the planet and earth and rocks and trees, or are we talking primitive religion? Animism. 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 As you first described it, everything okay, has cool. souls. Also, there should have been... Nobody saw the hand quotes around primitive, but there were hand right. quoties. Right. <laughs> That's old animism. Yeah. Okay. Um, then I guess I don't see how they don't fit together because everything's connected, but everything is also individual. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the animating soul is a part of the great universe, but is also differentiated as an individual being with its own layer of selfness and ego over its all, I don't have words for this, all over its universal soul, I guess. Yeah. So, I'm going to answer with Hinduism. (laughs) So, because they manage to have monism and animism (coughs) at the same time, and it doesn't bother them a bit. Um, So, you had at the beginning one being, and yes, this is a Hindu story, but I'm not going to use the Hindu names, because I'm not... um, because I'm not technically Hindu, so that it wouldn't be fair for me to do that. But basically, there was one thing. And it was bored. And it was lonely. And so it exploded itself into billions and billions of particles and bits of itself. And spread out across space, which was empty until that very moment. And all of those particles came together in bits and pieces, dribs and drabs, and made stars and planets and moons and suns and asteroids and all kinds of things. And then on each of those planets, it made bits and pieces of rocks and trees and water and air and all of those things. And then living beings came about. Everything was still connected to the first thing that started the whole nonsense of exploding and being separate. And yet, they were together and separate at the same time. So, monism is essentially the idea that everything is part of everything else. And 
that separation is an illusion, which the Hindus call Maya, by the way. The, the material world is considered to be an illusion. Um, the ultimate ground of being is the real place, is, is reality. And that in that reality, we are all connected together into one consciousness. But we live in the illusion. And the reason we do that is because in, when we're embodied, we can't, our bodies can't stand to have that whole consciousness of everything moving around in it. So that's my answer. Um, animism is the understanding that people, humans, aren't the only people. That trees are people and rocks are people. Everything has a soul. The sun is a big person. The, the earth, Gaia, is a huge person. The sun is a huger person. The solar system is probably another huger person. And it goes on and on until we have the universe. And we're all parts of that. But while we're embodied, we can only really deal with our consciousness and feeling the, the great overall consciousness occasionally. Otherwise, I think our brains explode and leak out of our ears and what good is that? <laughs> so, right. That's, that's, it, they're both right, essentially. And I figure if the Hindus can hold both of those things in their mind at the same time, then the rest of us can too. Um, and no, they're not opposing viewpoints because he said, how do you see animism and monism working together as their opposing viewpoints? They aren't really. They are part of the same viewpoint with two different names, but basically the same idea. It's just one is a part of the other. Like monism is the big idea, and then animism is the little bits that make up the monism. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Is there anything Keel wrote that you strongly disagree with? Yes. I do strongly disagree with his idea that all of the other is evil. And he doesn't actually believe it all the time. But he does very strongly believe that a lot of it is truly demonic and truly um, <sighs> damaging to humanity. And, and I don't agree that it's a universal thing, that all of the other is demonic and has enmity with humans. At least half of them have to be decent. Well, they don't. Okay, a quarter. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, I do think that if you look at beliefs in the paranormal and magical things, it's not all of them are bad and not all of them are good. And even the bad ones are sometimes good and the good ones are sometimes bad. So Yeah. Well, and what is good and what is bad? And then, then you get into that whole discussion. Yeah. Um, I do agree with him that belief is the enemy. I think that if you believe too strongly, you limit your thinking. 
and you limit your understanding. But at the same time, it's really hard to look at anything, especially strange things, and not have some word to describe them in your head. You know, some kind of concept that is a placeholder for what they actually are. So I do agree with the idea that, you know, belief is the enemy and you shouldn't believe in X, Y, Z. But at the same time, you have to call something something. And so, you know, if you label something, say, a fairy, that doesn't mean you actually believe necessarily it is a fairy for sure and for real. It just means it looks like one. Yeah. Acts like one. Might be one. Um, but, you know, the one thing about him believing that it's all demonic, sometimes it's safer to believe badly of something and kind of stay away from it than it is to believe in something being good and then finding out it's not. Yeah. This so is there is that. True. This is very true. Is there anything um, else that he believes in that twerks our gizzards? Um, not really. What really annoys me is that he didn't write more about the damn cattle mutilations that were happening during 67. But... <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I love that. Like, he just Damn mentions it, it in passing. He just mentions it in passing during the Mothman prophecies. Like, oh, I was tramping around looking at fields of dead animals. And I'm like, tell me more. And then what happened? <laughs> tell me more. And then he doesn't. And I'm like, bro. bro. I want to know about the dead cows. Like, that's important. Come on now. <laughs> What's wrong um, with you? <laughs> I think the other thing that I kind of disagreed with Keel about was in Jadu when he was like, I'm going to go find out what's real and what's fake. And he does. And he finds out some really intense stuff. But I, I don't know. I feel like he thinks because some of it was magic tricks, then a lot more of it can be dismissed than really can be. Well, he was younger then, too. That's true. By Disneyland of the Gods, he's, he'd seen some shit since yeah. then. You know? <laughs> this is true. He dealt with some shit, you know? I think in a lot of ways, sometimes he was a little too credulous. Yeah. There, there are instances where... Well, I mean, there are the instances where Gray Barker and Jim Mosley were messing with him, and he didn't catch on to that. Um, and then there's... There's times with some of his witnesses that he believes some of the most wild stuff that I would have been like, dude, I don't know about her. There's yeah, some... but he'd also been dealing with so much other stuff that was happening. Yeah, it, it just got, yeah, it got to him. 
Also, his phone was being messed with at the time, too. So Yeah, which apparently I think it really was, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think but so, too. Who knows why? <laughs> those old-style landlines were fairly easy to mess with. So. All right, Vuk. There you go. We don't we don't agree with everything that Keel says. So he 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 told me, "You'll have to change the name of your podcast after that." And I'm like, "Nah." People <laughs> understand we don't believe everything that Keel said. All right, um. we also have one last person asking questions. Uh, this is from Nagatha Christie. Oh, she just jumps out with, with a hard one there. Have you and or your family faced any prejudice or negative treatment based on your beliefs regarding the other or the paranormal? Yes. Yes, we have. This is a big one. Um, but I'll cover it in, like, minute, small detail. We won't go into it big and heavy because we might end up going into it in a future episode. But, um, yes, I have faced uh, being uh, accused of harmful witchcraft in a court of law um, by family members. And uh, it, it pretty much destroyed my uh, ability to have any kind of relationship with my family. And... Uh, you know, there's absolutely no way I can have any kind of a conversation with my ex-husband. So that's, and it was, it was the fact that I was a pagan, which he knew perfectly well. And he didn't have a problem with until he could use it in a court of law to, you know, essentially legally smack me about the head and shoulders with it uh, in a, rhetorical sense um and so yeah that was bad and uh after that after being outed as a as a neo-pagan in the court of law i just basically came out of the broom closet and said yep i'm i'm a witch i'm a pagan but you know it took a really long time for me to really truly come out of the experiencer closet and talk about all the weird stuff I've experienced. And that wasn't until I started this podcast that I came out openly and publicly. Um, so far, nobody has uh, said anything terribly negative about that. So the world has changed a good deal in 30 years. Yeah. Well, it's even changed since the 90s because I was assumed to be a Satanist Yeah. when I was a very young teenager by teachers at school, not just other kids. I was picked on by other kids for being a goth and all that um, and for reading tarot cards and for just generally being that weird girl. Yeah. Uh, but then some of the teachers got into it and they, I overheard a conversation between them um, about me, which led to me quitting Honor Society um, because they were discussing me and my Satanist friends. And I was like, 
none of us are remotely Satanists, but okay. <laughs> but that's the yeah. worst that's happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, we might go into this in a future episode. We haven't decided. So, um, but yes, we've, we've had some shit hurled at us, some accusations hurled at us, and it's, it's not been a bed of uh, roses. But, you know, when people are jerks, they're jerks. Yeah. Scariest paranormal experience. Oh, that would definitely be the gray alien uh, sleep paralysis dudes at the foot of my bed trying to reach out and get me with expanding fingers. Yeah, that's bad. That's um, bad. That was bad. Woke up, swung on them. They disappeared. Went back to sleep. They came back. Swung on them again while screaming. And then I just like kind of gave up on trying to sleep. That's usually what happens to me when, you know, I just, there's a point where I'm like, fine, I'm up. And like, I don't know if I should class that as paranormal or just a sleep paralysis dream, but I feel like that's a fuzzy line there anyway. It's a very fuzzy line. But that's the scariest thing ever. Like everything else has been eerie or creepy or out of place, or kind of spooky, or, okay, it's time to get out of here now, feeling. But that was actually, like, sheer terror. Yeah. And honestly, I'm going to say my experience with a very similar experience with three little gray-looking guys at the foot of my bed... Uh, this was in Maryland. And um, before that, I'd never had any experience with anything that could be really remotely taken as a gray, ever. All kinds of weird humanoid things, but never the grays. Which is good, because I had read um, Communion when it came out and was like, mm, no. <laughs> That's a big no for me. I don't want any of that. Mm -mm, no, no. Glad they don't have anything to do with me. Um, but in Maryland, um, we used to have uh, a stereo that we would put a CD in and it would play, uh, I think that what we listened to at that point was Hildegard von Bingen to go to sleep. And um, speaking of weird musical tastes, there we go. 12th century German abbess and, and her lovely lovely music in celebration of the Virgin Mary. And I've never been Catholic. It doesn't matter. It's beautiful music. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's what we had been listening to. Sometimes we'd put it on so it would just repeat like three times just to make sure we were really asleep and then it would stop. Well, one night something happened. You know, if we put it on repeat for like three times, it would turn off. Because yeah, you could program it. It was really cool. Well, something happened. And I don't know if it didn't turn off and somehow the radio turned itself on. I don't know if the radio broke in to the CD playing. 
I don't know what happened. All I know is I woke up to the sound of what I thought was wind or a waterfall. Turned out it was static. But I was asleep, so I didn't, you know, jump to that it was static. And I, I heard a voice coming through the speaker. She's awake. Get out of here. I opened my eyes and I saw three little guys with light blaring behind them. So they were standing right in front of the stereo. So it, it was like it was coming out of the stereo. The light was. But their voices seemed to have come out of it as well. Um, needless to say, I jumped up out of bed and I screamed like a banshee. Um, the only time I can scream effectively is when I'm asleep. I'm really good at sounding terrified when I'm asleep. If I am terrified and I'm awake, I'm usually struck speechless. I can't make noise at all. If I am told to scream when I'm awake, like, you know, if I'm acting or something, I can't do it. Uh, I can only sound like a barbarian queen in a fit of anger who's going to come after you and beat you to death. That's the best I can do. I can do a warrior cry. I cannot sound scared. But this time, I sounded scared. Poor Zach all but rolled out of the bed to get away from whatever the screaming was. And I heard a car or truck engine start up with a roar outside and peel out with like squealing tires. By the time Zach and I were both awake and we could get to the light switch, uh, the three little guys of course were gone and the stereo was on and there was static coming out of it because it was on the radio, but it wasn't on a station. I don't know what that was. Honestly, I don't want to know what that was. Um, I don't talk about it very often. So this is like the most I've really described that story here. So there you go. That's, that's the scariest. I ended up sleeping with the overhead light on for the rest of the night. Um, and that uh, stereo was on the curb the next day. Dude came down the street from up the street and was like, whoa, are you getting rid of that? As I was like, setting it on the street, and I said, yes, I am. And he's like, is there something wrong with it? I'm like, no, it works. Well, yes, there is something wrong with it. It's possessed. And he was like, whoa, what do you mean? I'm like, it turns itself on. <laughs> and voices come out of it, but I don't expect them to be there. So here you go. I didn't mention the three little guys. I, I figured I didn't want this guy to think I was a total nut job, but he had, he was like, I think I can fix it. And I'm like, okay, have fun. Don't bring it back. <laughs> if something weird happens to you, just like put it on your, your curb and just get rid of it. So, yeah, he didn't bring it back. So hopefully he was okay. So that was my terror. Notice it was both about three little guys. Yeah. Little gray, creepy, bug-eyed. Don't like them. Well, the next one is is the flip of this question. What's the happiest or most fondly regarded paranormal experience? 
I'm going to go with seeing my dead cats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's because cool. I I glimpse them occasionally. Yeah. And very rarely will feel one of them lay down behind my legs. Is that Grammy? Probably. Yeah. That's that was her favorite place to sleep with me. Um happiest. Well, I think hmm. Generally, if I dream about my grandmothers or um, my Aunt Judy, those are happy dreams. And, and I consider them paranormal because they're usually telling me something important. Um, and I'm always happy to see them. Uh, and I think that... Uh, I'm trying to think if there's been... I, I do like seeing my cats, too. Ozzy's always... He always makes me happy to see him. Yeah. Grimmy's so. always nice to see. I haven't seen Shmoo in a while, but... He, he may have wandered on. Yeah. Rolled his Shmooness onto the Rainbow Bridge and stayed that time. Yeah. Schmoo was um, an awesome boy. But it is nice to see them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Last question. Last question. How have, have your beliefs in the paranormal changed over the years? Well, for me, I... When I was a kid, it was like fairy stories, but they're real. And then I was, like, 12, and Mom was like, uh, yeah, you're getting way too comfortable with this, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost shit. So <laughs> here's John Keel. Stop being so, like, yay, ghosts. They're going to all be nice to me. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> nope. Um, Sorry, and then kid. I went through a slightly paranoid period. Um, and then I went through a very nonplussed period. Um, yeah, there it is. Okay. And then I kind of got back into being paranoid because things kicked up and we started the podcast and I was like, shit's getting real. Like things are picking up. And then we started the podcast and I'm back to being slightly paranoid and cautious mixed with like, okay, this just happens to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Well, it, with me, I just knew when I was a kid that there were very few people I could talk to about the weird stuff. Um, even though other people in my family had experienced weird stuff off and on, um, I didn't. I didn't talk about it in large part because I didn't trust my mom to not treat it in a weird way. 
I just didn't trust her not to be strange about it. And my dad could be very sarcastic about stuff like that. So I just, even though he experienced weird stuff too, I just didn't really talk about it. Um, and then I got into junior high school, middle school, and um, one of my best friends was just as into the weirdness as I was. And we started, you know, doing psychic tests on people using playing cards and stuff. And, and uh, you know, we wanted to go to Duke University and work at the J.B. Ryan Center and become parapsychologists, except they closed it <laughs> before we could <laughs> even think of going to the university. So, um, that was sad. But I became less apt to have very definite beliefs regarding the paranormal. Um, I've always had a streak of skepticism, and that sounds weird. I've always had a streak of skepticism to me. Like, every time I see something weird, I go through the list of things. Okay, is that a drone? Is that a, you know, is it a temperature inversion? What's happening? Is it a meteor? No. Is it a, is it a satellite? No. No, satellites don't make right turns. And then, uh, uh, you know, go diagonally. They, they go in a straight line, pretty much. Um, why did it change colors? Why aren't there FAA lights? Okay, never mind. We have pretty much determined it's not anything natural. Okay, there we go. Um, you know, so I've always been fairly skeptical, but now, now it's just, you know, I mean, I had friends say to me, are you sure you want to start a para paranormal podcast? Aren't things already weird enough? And I was kind of like, eh, we'll see what happens. And the world hasn't ended. I mean, it's tried to, but it hasn't Multiple ended. Multiple times. I know, right? <laughs> it um, can stop now. I would like it to. Uh, but as regards to the paranormal, it hasn't gotten enough worse that it's, you know, upset me enough to want to stop talking to people, so... Same, yeah. It's definitely more common now. Um, yeah. But it's not... It's not every day in a noticeable manner or anything like that. Like, banshees evil. aren't screaming outside our windows every night while, no. like, werewolves scratch at our kitchen door. Yeah, none of that. But I did see a UFO three weeks ago. And yeah. I've had weird floating glowy things just right before we started to record because i saw it on the video <laughs> i saw a little you know floaty thing little tiny light thing go past her face and then she said did you just see that little light thing over here i went oh i was thinking maybe that was some something like a moth or some shit but you saw it in live time okay all right fascinating but it's happens. not it's not too terribly overt like i haven't had a poltergeist move in in a while so i love yeah. how i say it's not overt when like lights are floating past my face but 
there's lights that just float past your face and disappear and don't do anything. And then there's like things that throw dishes at your face. And like, as long as things aren't being flung at my face, I'm generally okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, even, and I, I bring this up, but it's, it's a really good example of even when there's like giant glowing yellow rectangle eyes floating above your head, when you turn over to like go pee, just pull the blanket over your head and go back to reading on your Kindle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just tell the eyeballs that it's three in the morning, man. And you don't have, not right now. (laughs) I ain't got time. And then they generally, I don't know if they went away or if they just stayed hovering there, like all offended. You didn't look, so it didn't matter. I didn't look, so it didn't matter. (laughs) There you go. What more? I stayed under the blanket. What more can you ask? All right. Seriously, sleep with your head under the blanket, people. Like, blankets are magical. Ain't nothing can touch them. All right, people. That is it for the 100th episode. All of the Ask Me Anythings have been asked and answered. Um, you know, and if you if you missed out, and, you know, even though I reminded you a thousand times to send your questions in, and you didn't send it in, or you thought you sent it in, or you're going to send it in late... We'll eventually do another one of these, and maybe we'll have a whole panel of of guests on, and we can all answer it. Um, And that'll be cool. But until then, you know, thank you for listening to us blather for 100 episodes worth of blathering. Um, Thank you for enjoying us, and thank you for being our friends. We love y'all. Seriously. You guys are like awesome. All right. Thank you for everything and good night. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.